there is actually a miracle buried in today's gospel reading. And I wonder if you heard it. You see, that's the best thing about miracles, that sometimes the most instructive and the ones that reveal the most about the nature of God, especially in the gospels, are the ones that are easiest to miss. Now, the miracle that's hidden in the gospel is not that the father is seeking to elevate this man, Jesus, and have him rule over all things. Jesus himself says, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. But this is not the miracle. Now, glory here is status equal to God. The glory of God is the presence of God. The glory of God was the cloud that appeared over top of the tabernacle in the wilderness with the Israelites. But that a son of man would come to be elevated to have a place in the glory of God is well attested in the Old Testament and should have come to nobody as a surprise. In Daniel chapter 7, the prophet writes, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So the fact that a man should stand before the Jews and say that his father was going to give him glory should not have come as a surprise and is not the miracle. The miracle is not the mystery of everlasting life. Even though Jesus does say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. This is the same thing that Daniel also prophesied. He said, at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There is a reason why Martha's response to Jesus at the death of her brother Lazarus, when Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again, is not, oh, I didn't know that, but rather the simple statement, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, it's possible that some of the Jews have forgotten this prophecy of the dead rising and having eternal life, those who are in God's word, but it was always there. So this isn't the miracle either. Neither is it Abraham's time-traveling miracle, which does seem kind of weird, at least in the grammar. Before Abraham was, I am. The idea that this man who lived 2,000 years before Jesus, which means Abraham was as separated from Jesus' earthly life as we are from Jesus' earthly life, would somehow have seen Jesus' day and been glad, does seem kind of miraculous. But if the Jews do believe that the dead will rise, then Abraham was never truly gone, because surely, if there's anyone who remained in God's word, it had to be the patriarch Abraham. So where is the miracle? Have you figured it out yet? 
we've gone through pretty much the entire passage, so that all that's really left is the verse at the very end. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is a miracle. I'm not kidding. You have to think about it for a minute. We have a huge crowd gathered here to hear Jesus. You live in Montreal. You know about huge crowds. Imagine you're downtown for the jazz festival or the comedy festival or pick another festival or you're going downtown to try and see the trials for the Grand Prix. You know what it's like to be an oppressive people getting on and off the metro. And here's this man standing up and speaking in the middle of the crowd. And suddenly, poof, he hides himself. And without having to elbow himself through all these people, simply drifts through and disappears, leaving the people in the temple alone. God hides himself from his people in his own temple and leaves the people behind. That's the miracle. And we don't see it at first because it seems like such an awful miracle that God would hide himself. But remember how I said that it's often the most hidden miracles that are the most instructive. And this one might be the most instructive for our day and age when so many people in the world don't see miracles anymore. When miracles are hidden from people's eyes and not just miracles themselves, but God. We live in a culture, after all, where more than half of the population doesn't believe in God because if you ask them, they're like, where is he or she or it? We don't see God, therefore God doesn't exist, as if because you can't put love in a bottle, love doesn't exist, or because you can't actually see the quarks that make up the protons and the neutrons that make up atoms that make up our bodies, that somehow they don't exist either. And yet there we are. That because God is hidden, he mustn't exist. You might remember those of you who are older, the Russian cosmonauts who went up into space and reported back to mission control in the Soviet Union that they saw no sign of God. And therefore, communism was correct in asserting that God simply doesn't exist. Did it ever occur to them? Does it ever occur to atheists that God is hiding himself? God is hiding himself because we have been so intent on hiding ourselves from him, and so we've gotten our wish. You don't want to see me? I will not be seen by you. We didn't want to be found by God in the garden, did we? The first thing Adam and Eve did when they gained knowledge of good and evil is realize we don't want to see God. And so they hid themselves. Moses, when he encountered God at the burning bush, tried to hide his face from God as well. Elijah, after the incident on Mount Carmel, which was miraculous when you think about it, the dousing of that fire with water only to have it burst into flames, all of those logs, went and tried to hide himself at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. And of course, we all know the story of the famous prophet Jonah, who was desperate, so desperate to flee from God's face that he hides himself in the belly 
of a fish. Why wouldn't God finally give us what we want? Why wouldn't God simply hide himself from us? After all, God finally does show up in the midst of his people, in the very place where they would expect God to show up, in his temple, announcing who he is before Abraham, the great patriarch of the faith, was, I am the name for God. Jesus never called himself God. Well, there you go. That's as blunt as you're going to get. And what does everyone immediately want to do? Kill him. God shows up, and that's the first thought we have in mind. Let's stone him to death. So God hides. But when God hides, it's not like he's playing a game. It's not hide and go seek. It's not, you know, ollie, ollie, oxen free. Let's go see if God's hiding under the back pew of the church. God is hiding himself for a reason. The reason, honestly, is disgust. We talk all the time about God being holy and how unholy we are. The emotion isn't so much wrath as honestly just disgust at the kinds of people his creation have turned out to be, at the kinds of things we do, at the kinds of things we say. A God who is constantly and only loving and giving and sacrificing. Can you imagine what it would be like to have to constantly dwell with people who are the complete opposite? Who will sacrifice nothing for their neighbor? Who are always asking what's in it for me? Who are always trying to figure out how to get their bit? Who always want to be at the front of the line, the top of the pile? How would such a God deal with people like that, if not? In disgust. Now, we don't think of disgust as an emotion. We always think about God's wrath. But if you've ever watched Inside Out, the Disney movie about this little girl and the four emotions that are trying to control her, it's interesting that one of those emotions is disgust. I'm sorry, there's five emotions. It's been a while since I watched it. We're familiar with joy. We're familiar, we're familiar with sadness. We're familiar with anger. But disgust is also right there. Ew, I don't want to touch that. And that's God. It's why in the Old Testament, we have these images of clouds being round about God, of shadows veiling his eyes. How often does the Father appear in the New Testament being hidden by a cloud? Hidden by a cloud of baptism, hidden by a cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's always a big surprise, by the way, with kids when they learn that a cloud can best be seen in fog, right? Fog is basically a cloud at ground level. Kids are always like, oh, what it would be like to be inside a cloud. Well, wait for a foggy day. And what happens when you're in a fog? Everything is hidden. Jesus ascended from them and a cloud hid him from their sight. Of course, the world can't see God, not because he's not there, not because he doesn't exist, but because he has hidden himself in our sin's blind spot, hiding his eyes from the awful things that you and I think and say and do. Of course, we're gathered here this morning as Christians. Because the good news of Christianity is that God has unveiled 
unhidden, unclouded himself in his son, in Jesus Christ. God decides he is going to make a once-for-all-time spectacle of himself, once-for-all history, that everyone can point and say, there, there is God, and that moment was the cross. Behold your king. Behold the king of the Jews. Behold the Lord of all creation, letting us do to him the thing we have always wanted to do, get rid of God. Kill him. And God does that so that he might be able to turn around and instead of condemning us, forgive us. So that in that moment, we might know a God who has to deal with our disgust, his disgust with us in a very real way. And in that a precise same moment, show us the profound love he has for us, that he is not content to leave us in our sin, but wants to take it away. God makes a spectacle for himself on Mount Calvary so that he might appear to you and I, not as a judge, not as one that we might look at and say, he's possessed by demons. Not as the one who's acting to always call out people for their lies, but as the God who saves us, who speaks kindly to us, who shows mercy, who shows grace, a God who wants to bring peace, who appears before his disciples after his death, shows the wounds in his hands and says, peace be with you unhiding himself in the middle of a locked room. And that's why it's so weird before his death that we have these disciples saying, show us the father and it will be enough for us. Just reveal God. And Jesus is like, this is what you get. It's me. This is the revelation. No longer will I hide myself from you because of your sin. Now, because your sin will be atoned for, you can know me intimately. Jesus makes a spectacle of himself so our shame can be hidden from God, so that God can be present to us. We don't have to hide our face then anymore from God, and God does not need to hide himself from our shame because of the cross. This is one of the most profound miracles you see in all of the Gospels that God hides himself so that he might present himself at the cross. God, God hides himself from those stones and from those insults and shouting so that he might be known as the one who atones for the sins of the world. And that same little miracle in John 8, 59 comes to you and I every time we are gathered together and Jesus speaks and says, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus reminds you of your baptism, when Jesus gives you his name, reminds you that you are his child, brings you to his table, feeds you with his body and blood continually and over and over again, the hidden God that the world cannot see comes and makes himself known to you. There and there and in the scriptures and even in Christian conversation with one another when you remind each other of who you are in the name of Jesus. Where God speaks, he is no longer hidden. Jesus becomes our great I am and whoever believes in him will not taste death but have eternal life. 
And so that same hidden miracle of hiding is a revelation to you and I today that God will not hide his face from you for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.